You actually have to be on cocaine to be on this podcast. What's up, everybody? You're listening to yet another edition of Cocaine Willie. I am your commissioner, Bob Trollsby, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, the good chef, Andre Napier. And with Fireball Matt moving to Texas, which you would have caught if you listened to any of our podcasts in the last two weeks, I'm joined by my co-host, the girl. <laughs> Shit, I've already, <laughs> already fucked it up. We have K-State Twitter superfan Allison Renner joining us in Matt's place. Allison, it's awesome having you on. We loved the fan cast that you did for both the 1012 and the Sons of UCF. Uh, and that one was with Fireball Matt. So you have some experience working with a, or, uh, with a cocaine, Willie Cokehead, I guess, uh, if you will. Uh, but appreciate having you on. How are you doing after the 41 to nothing drubbing of the Cougs on Saturday? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. It was a very fun, low-stress game um, where I didn't have to worry about anything. And, uh, yeah, great time. I was at the game. I It was the first and only game I'm able to make it to this season, and it was packed to the gills. I was shocked to see how many people were there at the game. And it, as usual, when it's 41 to nothing final score, uh, people were just gone by the third quarter. So do not blame people there. Uh, it was it was a great game. Had an awesome time in uh, in Manhattan this weekend. But one of the things that I want to talk about, just because he seemed incredibly proficient in the game, it's Will Howard. And, and the story leading into this game and the story of the last two or three games has been Will Howard, Avery Johnson, splitting reps at quarterback. How often are we going to see Avery in that matchup against Houston? And and he did make a freshman mistake with the fumble, but he he still looked great in the in the reps that he got. But also, how much of that was the fact that it was an absolute curb stomping of Houston at the same time, where where Will Howard looked very good? But I guess the question is to just tee things off here. Do you think that Will is the go-to guy from here on out? Has he turned a corner? And how often will we see Avery moving forward? Yeah, well. Shucks. I mean, it's it's the million dollar question. Do we think we Avery's going to need a role? It's kind of re- role reversal of like how we thought after Avery put in work versus Texas Tech. How did we think we were going to see Will Howard? How are we going to use him? It's the same question. We're going to need both of them. Absolutely. There, uh, nothing's changed. Will was always the guy, in my opinion. You know, I kind of started saying that we needed Avery a little bit more, but I'm feeling no different. I think we, we still need Avery, you know, two or three series a game to, and even if it's spot duty, you know, throw, throw in Avery at the red zone, throw him in the middle of the field, change it up. Especially if we're seeing different looks, like if, if Will Howard is running for, 15 yards a pop, maybe throw an Avery if they're giving that same look and it's 60 yards now. I don't know. You know, I'm not a coach or nothing, but you know, we he's a dynamic weapon. He's our probably our fastest player on offense. Got to get him out there every once in a while. But Will has consistently outside of Oklahoma State been an absolute stud in exactly what we thought we were going to get this year. 
Yeah, to exactly what Chef said, I as long as Will is doing what we're asking him to do, as long as he is, you know, showing up, getting the yards, making the passes, um, making sure that, you know, a couple mistakes is fine, but we're winning games, then if it's not broken, no need to fix it. Um, I do think that Will should start unless we are in a Oklahoma State situation and everything is going wrong for some reason, he's having a really off day, then yeah, we should probably put Avery in at half, whatever it takes. But as of right now, I, I have no no worries about Will Howard. I think he's he's doing his job. Um, and that's no knock to Avery Johnson either. Um, it, it's honestly a really good problem to have is two very uh, good quarterbacks two quarterbacks that can get the job done. And if Will's the more experienced guy right now, if he's the starter, that's all good with me. You, Avery, uh, you said he looked good. Outside of garbage time was kind of rough. Not even going to lie. I mean, because, I mean, what he had, did he take over in the end of the third quarter or just the very beginning of the fourth? Because I know there was like, the one where he, cause he kept, he didn't gain any yards rushing. It was kind of ugly. I'm not going to lie the fumble. And then, you know, he got sacked. He tried to run that quarterback draw, got nowhere. I mean, it, what do he have? Like negative five yards rushing that, that game. Uh, he had negative five yards rushing. In that game. <laughs> That's tough. I mean, outside of the last drive, which he did matriculate the ball down the field, which, we, that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, it, it was still the Houston's number one defense out there still. But so, so do you want to do you want to know who had the worst QBR in the game? And there were five quarterbacks that played in the game. Well, okay, hold on, hold on. Well, Rubley didn't have the worst because he actually completed the pass. Rubley's was five. He was second on the day. Okay, Will Howard obviously is number one. 94.8. Then Avery, he threw a touchdown pass, so he's got to be third. No. Third Don't was Ui, Ui Ale, who was no way. He didn't even come Houston with a 19.4 QBR. He fumbled. Doesn't matter. I guess Avery fumbled too. Donovan, Donovan Smith had an 11.6 QBR on the day. Yeah, he was really bad. Avery I knew he was going to be last. Eight. Avery was eight. Eight. No, that's farce. That's a farce. I mean, look up the box score. That's impossible. He threw a touchdown. He had a 20-yard pass to my boy Swanee. There's no way. Because Donovan didn't have a touchdown, obviously. Didn't get – barely got past 50-yard line. That was, Don't get me started on it. Don't make me break down the Houston game. Please I sent, don't. I sent you the receipts. I sent you the receipts. You feel free to look at them if you want. But according to ESPN's box score, which, you know, we've been accused of only reading box scores on this podcast and nothing else. So I had to, I had to throw that in there. But that's uh, fine. Yeah. If you look at, if you not, look at Apple reviews it, someone, someone got real mad about that. Not, not a math pod. We don't do analytics. We don't do none of that stuff. So I'm going to read the box scores and call it a day. So the thing, the thing that Gerald mentioned on the pod that, that drops on Tuesday this week is when you look at that game against Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel ran all over Texas. Dylan Gabriel's feet were the reason why Texas lost that game against Oklahoma. And when you look at Avery Johnson and you look at the speed threat that he has, Chef, you already said he's the fastest player on the team. How much do we see him this Saturday, knowing he's probably not going to get the start, but there are probably going to be some packages – 
where he's going to do some damage against that Texas defense, knowing that they're a great rushing defense, but specifically with quarterback back run play, they do not do well against quarterback run play at all. Well, my thing is, I'd have to go back and look at that Texas game because I, I remember watching it, but I don't remember the exact details. But I'm almost 100% sure that Dylan Gabriel's yards came off of like scrambles, like up the middle and stuff like that. Yeah, so I don't know if it's necessarily like quarterback design run, which would, you know, that would favor Avery Johnson like a lot. So if it's the threat of the throw that, leaves them vulnerable to a quarterback run then i think that's kind of will howard you know i mean he can he can break the pocket if he's not worried about like you know he took some sacks in that houston game which i think he just kind of gave up on the play which is kind of the smart thing to do if you're if in the back of will howard's head he's worried about i don't want to turn the ball over here so there's no point in i'll take a four-yard sack than trying to break out of this tackle and fumble or you know get off of schedule and throw a pick especially when you're like 12 of 12 the dude is on fire so could we see Avery I think we're gonna need to see Avery and will the quarterback run from you know design be more effective than a a broken broken play that's that's to be seen but I mean but also how much is is the pocket gonna collapse when the K-State beef is playing as well as they are too Allison, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's that's tough. I, I hope that uh, both Howard and Avery Johnson have all the time in the world that they need to throw and they can just complete every pass if that's that's the offensive yeah. line. But I do think that Will Howard does have that advantage with having the more experience. Uh, Avery Johnson, I think, is well uh, mature past uh, being a true freshman, but – uh, you know, we saw in, in last week's game him throwing when he got sacked, which ended up being a sack. But if it wasn't a sack, it was going to be intentional grounding. It's, it, you know, it's just those last minute decisions that you have to have the maturity and the years of experience to know. Um, and we've seen that with a couple of the true freshmen that have started um, with K-State this year. But it's not necessarily a knock towards them. It's just something that that you learn as you play the game and as you get those reps in. So. I'd, I'd like to see Avery play. I I think for sure we're going to see Howard start. Um, that's just tracks with what Kleiman, Kleiman goes with. And I think Kleiman's got all the faith in the world with Howard right now. So I, I would prefer to stick with Howard until we see some cracks possibly or just throw in Avery for a couple uh, design plays. I don't know the last time I was able to say this, but I am more impressed with the K-State offense than the Chiefs offense. Full stop. It's it's not even a contest right now. Mahomes was sick. All right. Don't don't do this. Both don't of us need that. wide receivers. I don't know where we're gonna get them from, but we're lacking. Yeah, yeah. Chef, what were you gonna say before that? Sorry. I I don't know what I was gonna say, to be honest with you. I mean, it's just isn't it crazy how we went into this year like and I know it's been a roller coaster. You know, we're kind of getting we're hitting our stride now. But at the beginning of the season, we had all this faith in Will Howard. And, you know, he was our guy. He was he brought us a championship. And now, like and this is no slight against anybody because that's their opinion or whatever. But he's got the shortest leash for somebody who is outside of one game is an absolute stud. It's crazy. I mean, 
we were we were dogging on him at the beginning of the year when he was throwing a pick in every game, but he was still, I mean, he was still responsible for like 12 touchdowns and four interceptions. So it, it's just I don't know. He's he's been playing great and outside of one game, which you have to count it, and it was definitely a bad game. Uh he's been everything that I expected. How many games has he thrown where it's like three touchdowns, no interceptions? It's been he's had to do it at least twice or three times this year. That I'm not sure. No, he he could have only done it at least once or twice. Three, three touchdowns and one interception, you said? Three touchdowns, no interceptions, but you know, I think that only happened one time. Maybe. Yeah, that, that was against TCU. Mm, yeah. But I mean, that's I don't know. But I, he, he hasn't thrown an interception since the Oklahoma State game, which like knock knocking on a lot of wood, but also oh, hey. I think I think uh, maybe maybe he's kind of turning a corner. I feel a lot better about where yeah. you're at there. But I guess one last thing that I want to talk about offense wise. The beef, the beef. Oh. We started the season similar to what you're saying. We started the season with a ton of faith. We we thought the beef was going to be one of the best units to return for any team in in any like not just the Big Twelve in the country. You had Andy Staples interviewing Cooper Beebe asking about this this offensive line and what they were going to do this season with all the starters returning. And Taylor Portier's looked really good. And and Cooper Beebe is playing like. He, he might be raising his draft stock. I didn't even think that was possible at this point. He might be working his way into the top 15 at this point. And I just, I want to give the offensive line their flowers because people beat up on Carver Willis for the first two games. And he's looking much, much better. If not one of the better offensive linemen on the team, these last two or three games. So I just, I want to give the offensive line their flowers for, for a moment, but what are your thoughts on on the offensive line and the beef having kind of the the bumpy start that they had working through the kinks and getting their getting their shit together and getting to a point now where i have all the confidence in the world in them when four games ago i probably didn't going into the ucf game i was very concerned for me i mean the old line has how can I say this? You know, they I thought that the the cohesion that they had from last year would carry over. And it's it's kind of been, you know, brought to my attention that it just doesn't happen that way. <laughs> you know, it's not a it's not a video game where you can just plug them in and they're just be however they are. It just takes time. And we've seen that with K-State through almost every offensive line that we've had, and whether it's a Dalton Reisner offensive line or a BJ Finney coming back, you know, it takes time for them to work out and, you know, get a couple games under their belt to where they're, they're peaking and hitting on all cylinders. And this offensive line is the exact same way. And I think it's, they kind of found their identity too, because at the beginning of the year, you know, we were, I mean, it felt like we were dropping back and, Will Howard was throwing 40 times a game. Like that's not our, that's not our MO. You know, I think the offensive line is a lot better now because we're, we're having a 60 40 run split. And we're, I think they're a lot better at run blocking than they are pass blocking and, you know, Gillum on the pulls. Obviously you saw Cooper with the uh, crazy nasty pull. I'd imagine that's one of the most terrifying things to see is number 50 running at you in open field. Um, so, yeah, 
the offensive line deserves everything that is coming their way because they have completely turned it around from what we saw at, you know, Missouri or even even those first few games. Simo, I mean, Will Howard, one of his picks was because he was absolutely getting wrecked. And Carver Willis has done a 180. And I am excited as hell for him to be back next year. And left tackle, right tackle, who knows? But he's definitely going to be holding down one of those spots because he has filled the shoes of Duff, basically. I mean, he's he's might be 50-50 reps with Duff at this point. Yeah, I was, I was in the eighth row in section four, and I was looking at the sideline to see who was out. And I think I texted, I think I texted our group chat that was like, yeah, Duffy and Portier aren't, aren't starting the game. It's, like so Carver has definitely done a great job to, to solidify his spot on the roster. Yeah, no, great, great players will uh you know might start off the year a little bit poorly and then make those adjustments to prove themselves to you. And I think that's what the offensive line has done. They came in with a all of the expectations. Um, maybe didn't show up as well the first couple of games and completely kind of turned that around. Um, I think they even kind of called themselves out in a couple post-game interviews and said, hey, like, we could do better. Um, this wasn't our peak performance, and we need to get after it. And, yeah, very impressed the last two games. Um, and looking forward to them keep improving throughout the season. For sure. And and I think it's also a testament to how great of a coach Connor Riley is. My only beef would be with the beef is that we have some more consistency on the front end of the season. I think that would be super helpful just to, just to get the season started off with the right momentum instead of having some of these, these situations where the games and, and thing, it just doesn't quite look the way that we think it's going to, but I want to move over to the defensive side of the ball. This is, this is the second game in a row where we've held a team to three points or fewer. And yeah, we gave up a handful of points in that Texas tech game. But if you look, I mean, this team is averaging eight points per game and 21 of those happened in the Texas Tech game through the last three games. So on the defense, who are you, who are you most impressed by on the defense? And what else, just if we're just talking big picture defensively, what else has impressed you about that unit as a whole? The, the number one guy for me that's, man, talk about a Carver Willis level 180 is Marquis Siegel. You know, that guy was absolutely getting nuked online for how bad he was playing. I mean, Luther Burden is still running, for God's sakes. You know, he just couldn't, he, he just wasn't in his element. And it's a lot to do with, you know, cohesion back there, trusting what you're doing with what the corners are doing, what their other safeties are doing. Marquis Siegel has turned it around. He's filling the run gaps. He's he's playing I can't say at all Big 12 level because, you know, he I'm not ready to go there yet, but he's absolutely turned it around. Love Marquis Siegel. He's doing exactly what I thought we were going to do. He's playing a lot of nickel when Jacob in our bigger run fits and our bigger run sets and Parrish is coming in there at nickel. Sometimes I think he's playing really, really well. It's a shame that he doesn't have an interception because he's had like three opportunities and he hasn't able to, you know, put his mitts around it and solidify that interception. But I think he'll get one eventually. And he, and you know, he deserves it because, you know, everybody in the others, the other safety in the other safeties in the room, you know, they're probably laughing at him. 
Yeah, I was I was deeply, deeply concerned about our defense after the Mizzou game. I was in a very low place, and um, I wasn't ready to completely give up on them, but, man, we needed to make a lot of changes uh, in order to get something that was going to be able to play at a Big 12 level. And, uh, again, I think that the defense really turned it around. They kind of, you know, went back, fixed our mistakes, um, I know that, you know, Houston and TCU, but still with an air raid offense like Houston, zero points. I, that that was a, a it wasn't raining. It, it was raining. We all thought it was going to be raining going into that game. And I thought you were going to beat the brakes off of Houston because <laughs> we were going to force them to run the ball, which Chef, Chef can allude to from our last week's preview with the Houston guy. They don't run the ball at all. They ran. They ran it pretty well, though. I'm not even gonna lie. They and I and I think the stats lie. If we're gonna, you know, get accused of box score reading again, you know, <laughs> uh, they they ran the ball for like a hundred something yards. They had more running yards than they did passing yards. But I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, we're dropping back. We're rushing three. We're letting draw plays go. All kinds of stuff. And it's picking up 15 yards a pop, but when we're up 21, nothing, go ahead. You know, if you want to run it for 15 yards, we'll stop you on the next one and, and then it's over, but it's, I don't know. I just, I'll, I'll get, let Allison get back to what she was saying. I, I get on no, that. Yeah. Tangent. You're completely, I mean th- that exactly. I, I, there were no big play. I mean, there, there might've been a couple, uh, if I remember when I was there, but I don't remember a huge play you know, where they're throwing the ball deep. And, you know, th- that's a, a team that's known for that. That's how they're scoring points. So we were able to completely put a stop to that and prevent any points from being scored, even though one was a missed field goal. I'll, I'll still take it. Um, that was great. It's It's been a great turnaround the past couple of games. Yeah, they, they had a 25-yard reception, and they had 95 total receiving yards. So, oh man, that that twenty five yard reception was Will Lee was I mean he's a foot away from having another interception. He, I was so I was mad at the moment, but like that's the aggressiveness that you want from your cornerback. Like you want corners jumping balls because creating those turnovers are absolutely huge. You don't want the you know the Tom Hayes defense where we're letting them have nine yard receptions at a time and just murdering us all the way down the field. Will Lee played like an absolute stud, and you know he he came back. He missed what did he miss the? He got hurt in the Oklahoma State game and missed the. Yeah, he missed missed the Tech game. He missed the Tech game too, and then I think he came back for the TCU game. But Beast, he's turning into exactly what we thought we were getting, and he's just a sophomore. I saw that on the broadcast. I was like, mm-hmm. "What? Are you kidding me? Oh, That's yeah. crazy." No, he, was, he was a great get from the well, not I guess not the portal, but from Juco, Juco land because yeah. he's got a lot of eligibility ahead of him, which is both awesome. our both our cor- starting corners outside of Keenan. And you know, Keenan, another guy out of nowhere, com- he's been playing the position for like a year and he's probably our second or third best corner, which is crazy. And I'd probably say second, let's say second, why not? And him and Jacob, Par- Jacob Parrish and Willie are both sophomores. That's insane. We're yeah. we're gonna that bodes well. Siegel Jr. Parrish sophomore. I mean, I mean not Parrish. Um, Clifton Payne Payne sophomore, and that's another guy. Clifton. I just keep rattling them off, man. 
we're just we're and those are names that you don't even hear that much because you know they're they're filling in spot duty and they're they're doing their job wrapping up tackles i mean it's nuts man our defense when's the last time get a stat guy in here when's the last time that we're just like blanking teams like this this is like this is like 90s level k-state defense right now oh yeah kind of scary and and what's nuts in in thinking about this texas matchup we mentioned it again with gerald on on the pod that we just recorded but but dropped a couple days ago if you're listening to this on the feed k-state is currently ranked third in red zone defense nationally and texas is currently 120th in the nation in red zone efficiency that that can't hold up dude there's no way there's zero percent chance that's gonna hold up and 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 that's thinking efficiency so obviously touchdowns are weighted more heavily than field goals but even if you just look at red zone scoring percentage k-state is 48th in the country and texas is 90 i just i just had it before 96th in red zone scoring percentage so the efficiency metrics, they obviously weight more of the touchdowns as opposed to the field goals, and they probably are also looking at the fact that there are a number of times this season where Sark has refused to you know, kick the field goal and take the points and literally handed the entire momentum of the game to Houston when he chose to do that in, in the, I think, I want to say it was the end of the first half of that game. It was just like, if something like that happens, I'm just telling you now, things are going to be looking in our favor. How many fake field goals, Alice? How many fake field goals do you want Texas to run? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, if mm, <laughs> I, I would like like them to run a fake rather than just going on four and one. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. That would be yeah, awesome. because Malik Malik Murphy looks like if Jamal Charles was a quarterback, but like a little like a little taller. If he was, it's it's Jamal <laughs> Charles mixed with Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> he's absolutely that's, that's an absolute, absolute stud at a quarterback, and he five star, but he's not a runner. I mean, he didn't. Let's talk about it for a second, you know, because the the D line, the Texas team. Their defense is absolute stacked. Crazy. I mean, their D-line, I thought Houston's D-line was, like, troublingly big. And then I looked at Texas, and they're, like, their two defensive tackles are both 380. Their defense is top 10 in opposing points per game, opposing points per per play, uh, opposing third down conversion percentage, red zone scoring percentage. They're top 10 in a lot of different categories. They're really good. But the thing is, that defense gave their offense uh, so many opportunities versus BYU. That's the only reason that they even scored. Yeah, I don't remember a long drive by Texas in that game. It felt like every time Texas got the ball, it was on the opposite side of the 50. And they, outside of garbage time, like late in the fourth quarter and after Xavier Worthy's punt return, I think they scored like 21 points. Terrible in the red zone. It's kind of like what case, or when you're talking about the defense giving good field position, it's kind of like what K State's defense did for the offense in the game against Houston. Because it's not, it's not like Will Howard's having to march 100 yards downfield every single possession. Not every single time, but at least in this Houston game, you know, Will Howard had you know a couple 12 play drives. They're going 80 yards. They're scoring touchdowns like that. 
I mean, Malik Murphy, he didn't, he didn't strike fear into my heart with how he played. It was, you know, I don't know. It's just another backup quarterback. And do we expect our offense to let Texas's defense, you know, take over the entire game like how BYU did? I don't think so. I think we're going to be able to control the ball a little bit better. DJ Giddens, stud, dog, uh, freaking Trayshawn Ward, dog. It's just we're not going to be able to – they're not going to be able to pounce on us like they did BYU. So they're going to need Malik Murphy to lead that team a long way on a lot of drives. And I don't, I don't just don't see it happening. I just don't see that happen. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. So I, I have, uh, my prediction is a little bit lower um, than I, I guess I would typically choose, but, and I don't know that this could just be me seeing Texas fans trying to cope with things, but I have seen some Texas fans, some outside of Texas fans say that Quinn Ewers might lose his job to this guy. I don't know that I completely believe that, but I do what? think that <laughs> I believe it when I see Malik Murphy beat beat Alabama. Yeah, I see I don't but at the same time, I would almost I'd almost rather play Quinn Ewers just because we know exactly what we're getting. Because last year, I was at that game last year. It was really sad the first half, but our defense completely shut him down the second half because Joe Klanderman is a master at making those adjustments in the second half. So I would, I guess I would feel better about Quinn Ewers just because I know exactly what I'm expecting with him. And I know that, you know, sometimes he's, sometimes he's the guy for the explosive plays and sometimes he's just, you know, kind of put into more human form, but I don't know. I, I do, I'm worried about Texas, you know, chipping away at the yards and just slowly making their way downfield rather than the big passes, the big runs uh, to the red zone. I, I, I can not disagree more. <laughs> There's no way I want to see Quinn Ewers and that and Xavier worthy where he's throwing dots, you know, I mean, he's, he's struggled a little bit. I'll give you that. Outside after the, I mean, what did he start like nine and oh, nine touchdowns to zero interceptions? Then he was like, you know, four to three. I mean, he 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 did come back down to earth, but when he's throwing dots to Xavier Worthy, that scares the piss out of me. This Malik Murphy, he unless he does a complete turnaround, and I'm knocking on wood because I don't want him to do it. But what I saw versus BYU is not a guy. It's just he's a freshman. I mean, a redshirt freshman, but he's still a freshman. Second game starting versus, you know, a BYU team that is real ass, real garbage. The worst five and three team in the country. But it's people are writing about it. It's true. So, you know, could and God, their DBs terrible. I, I got a feeling that we're going to be able to give him looks that he hasn't seen before. He's not apparently he's not mobile, which is a shock to my system. I still can't get over that. So if we're able to put pressure on him, I think he's going to be pretty sporadic. I think he's I think he's comparable to, you know, from what we've seen so far is like how Baron Morton played. You know, Baron Morton was he was all right. And, you know, he was willing to throw that throw that bitch up. And, you know, he almost gave one to Siegel, but. If we put pressure on him and 
hit him a couple times. I think he's going to be, he's going to revert to what he knows. And that's, you know, he just doesn't play. He hasn't played. He got hurt his senior year in high school. And that was the first time I listened to a Texas pocket. That's the first time he's been hit since 2021. That's crazy. That's a stat. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. first. He, he's been wearing the green jersey, and he just hasn't been touched. So imagine what Khalid Duke's going to do to him. You know, I can't, I can't get over the fact you just compared Malik Murphy to Baron Morton because if you if you were to put those two in a police lineup, just from the physique <laughs> that one has versus the other, you know how I feel aesthetically about Malik Murphy. All right, I I. But I'm saying their game, like how how they how no, I, I, know. I know how I envision them playing. You know, I could see a Baron Morton kind of game, and Baron Morton did some nice things, but it wasn't enough to separate them from Kansas State. That's fair. I think that's fair. So this is what is probably going to be outside of a bowl game or a college football playoff matchup in the future. Once the playoff expands to 12 teams the last matchup between Texas and K-State in a regular season college football game. What kind of feelings does this matchup drum up for you? Because for me personally, I lived in Austin. Shout out at Austin. That was was my Twitter handle back before I moved to Colorado and couldn't claim it anymore six years ago, five years ago. I have been on the losing side of since 2017 – when my wife and I got together, like we have lost every single matchup since 2016. And so for me personally, this drums up a lot of like, I, we have to win this game. If we do not win this game, I will have never had a football victory against the team that my wife cheers for ever in the time that we've been together. And that's going into that relationship. K-State had Texas's number. We had their number. We owned Texas, go state, beat Texas. And it was, I mean, we we beat the brakes off of Colt McCoy coming off of a national championship win that they had. Colt McCoy was the next greatest thing since sliced bread. Ron Prince could beat Texas every time he played them, but could never beat Kansas, Missouri, or Colorado, or Nebraska. And it's just... <laughs> This game means a lot to me. It has always meant a lot to me because some of my favorite memories were watching K-State beat Texas. I mean, the David Allen return in, what, 1998. You you have just some great matchups. There have been a lot of really close games. There have been a lot of really lopsided games, especially when you look, what was it, 2021? Yeah. That was a <laughs> real lopsided game. That was one of the worst games I've ever seen like that reminded me of the OU homecoming game in 2015. But this this game this game drums up a lot of feelings for me. It drums up a lot of bad blood, but also a lot of fond memories. And I'm I'm sad to see this matchup go. But at the same time, like if we get this win on Saturday, that's gonna mean a lot to me personally because I will always have, I think Allison, you mentioned it in the last pod, but the forever scoreboard will have that like. Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. If Oak State wins this weekend, they'll have the forever Bedlam scoreboard final matchup. So I just want to hear what your thoughts are, what your feelings are, if any, about this matchup, any of the history and what this what this matchup and what that team means to you or what you hate about them. I, I don't have 
I, I honestly, I don't mind Texas that much, I guess, as a rival. I, they've just always kind of been there. Yeah. I don't know that many Texas fans. So um, moving to Wichita the past couple of years, I've met one couple that's Texas fans. And they love Texas, but then, you know, they'll be like, oh, go Longhorns. And then they don't mention it again. I don't think they actually watch the games. So it, it's pretty, it's always been pretty low stake for me. Um, it is incredibly frustrating that we have this losing streak. Um, and I am somewhat of a prideful person when it comes to those forever scoreboards and, you know, pointing to, hey, this is the last win. Um, this is, it, it's our last opportunity. It's the last opportunity that Chris Kleiman likely is ever going to get against Texas. I don't see Texas scheduling uh, many games with other Big 12 opponents um, anytime in the near future. So, that is really important. It's important to me because I'm actually going to be at the game and I don't want to be sad that night because it's at 11 a.m. So it's either going to make my whole day or ruin the rest of my day. Um, so hopefully we pull out a win. But at the end of the day, I, I don't know that many Texas people personally that, that are going to come after me for it. This is the only incumbent Big 12 team that Chris Kleiman has never defeated as head coach. I was just about to say that. That's nuts. Like, I mean, he's he's shook a lot of demons in this conference. You know, he's he's taken down the big boys. OU. you know, he's he's got a big 12 championship, but he just doesn't have that dub versus Texas. And man, you Bob, you put a lot of you know, you put a lot of heart into that speech that you just did. And it it's basically just telling everybody out there, don't date anybody from Texas and because they'll break your heart. So that's basically it. Uh, me personally, I don't, yeah, you know, I'm out here in Ohio. There ain't no UT fans out this bitch. The only UT that I know is University of Toledo, and that's it. So <laughs> you got the university, you got UT, and then you got OU. OU and UT, we got them out here, but it's, it's not what you think. So, you know, for me, it's just nice to beat them because we, we had that long standing. We own Texas slogan for a long time. And I loved, I loved being able to say that just like, you know, watching YouTube and, you know, just reminiscing on, you know, Charles Jones running wildcat quarterback versus them. And it's just, it warms my heart to be able to beat, you know, they, they think of us as like all, they think of Kansas state as all walk-ons basically how they imagine our team is just, a bunch of like scrappy one stars and walk-ons that used to own them. But now they, for the past, what did you say? Seven, six years, they, they can puff their chest out and say that they, their talent has finally overcome and they're the more physical team. So it would just be nice to have that, uh, that term I've never heard forever scoreboard. And I'm going to use that forever now. Uh, and it would be nice to have it over Texas. God, those, they haven't won anything. You know, they, what did they have a sugar bowl in the last decade? They haven't done dick and swimming championships. Oh yeah. All correct. <laughs> correct. We got to post that video, that recruit. That was one of the most classic. All these is for, all these for swimming. <laughs> all these I, I, is for swimming. I will say, I, I do hope that we see Avery Johnson score a touchdown in this game rushing because last year I went to the K-State-Texas game in Manhattan and Avery Johnson was a recruit. He was there on an official visit, even though he had already committed. And he was he was walking, I think we were in like the 8th or 10th row or something, and he sees Allie, looks at her wearing her orange, 
ended that to her while she's sitting in the Who stage. did this? Avery Johnson. No fucking way. Yeah. Yes, she still she still talks about it. She's like, "Oh, he's the guy that gave me a horns down when I was in the stands." <laughs> Avery, if no you're listening, way. we saw it, we know, and we love you for it. That's my quarterback. The legend. That's that my, my quarterback. quarterback. That is my quarterback. <laughs> that was one of the most elite things I've ever seen a recruit do on a visit ever, and I I loved him for that. From that moment on, I was like, I, I'd seen the highlights and stuff, and I saw his tape, knew he was a stud. But once I saw that, I'm like, this dude's Ema. This dude is Ema to the core. Like, I, I would not want anyone else to be my quarterback of the future other than, than Avery Johnson. But, Chef, let's get to your recipe for success. Since Fireball Matt is out and we're coming off a 41 nothing game, we're not going to do a burn-it-down moment of the week. But we do need a recipe for success. Man, we've got a we've got a man, UT is scary. Their defense is scary. But we've got to be on the offensive. You know, we got to get our mise en place together. We've got to get everything ready to be effective on offense. I don't know if you guys know what mise en place is, but it's I just do. A... I do. Oh, look at you! Let's go. Get him in the. <laughs> get him an apron, baby. Roll them chef sleeves up. But we just got to get everything in order. We've got to get our ducks in a row. Will Howard has to be ready to see a defense that we haven't seen. Maybe, maybe Missouri's comparable. I don't know. But we've got to get everything in a row. We've got to have our game plan set. Maybe it's maybe it's exactly what people are calling for, you know, that we can't have the two quarterback system going into this game. We have to pick one, all this yada, yada, yada shit. We've got to get our ducks in a row. We've got to have a game plan going in there that is effective of, against this humongous Texas front. And I think if we have, you know, if we're balanced, because we haven't been able to pass the ball uh, as effectively as we did at the beginning of the season. But I think if we're balanced where we're keeping them not able to stack the box and we're able to run on the outside with DJ Giddens, but over where, where's the play? Where's the, the fake quarterback run? Throw it over the middle play. We haven't seen that baby in maybe since Missouri last year. So I want to see I want to see a lot more play action. I want to get a game plan together where we're able to keep Texas's defense off balance. Let's go. Allison, if you were to boil it down this weekend to any one thing or a couple of things, what do you think the cats need to do in order to get the win in Austin? Mm, it's going to be more than just one thing, but um, I would just say mainly controlling the clock, keeping uh, our offense on the field as much as possible um, really just controlling the narrative and the momentum, scoring early, getting up early, uh, because I don't want to have to come back like we did from last year. Um, I don't want to be put in that situation. I know it's a new year, but man, that, that causes me way too much stress and anxiety. So score early, keep the momentum, control the clock. I love it. I think for me, the recipe for success is going to be that red zone defense. Our red zone defense is elite this year, and their red zone offense is not elite. I'm just I'm just saying if if there's going to be a key for K-State in this game, the red zone seems to be where it's going to be. Like like if we continue to play the way that we have with a red zone defense, I really think that things could go in our favor. But let's hit our score predictions. Allison, you're the guest. We'll hit yours first and then uh, we'll go around the horn here and then we'll share Matt's because even though he's not here, he's still part of the pod. 
So I, I'm still I'm still cautiously optimistic about this week. I think we have um, a lot of advantage in some of these matchups, but uh, overall, I I don't know. Texas is looking really good. Uh, so I have a, a somewhat lower score of 28-21 Texas uh, going into this week. Chef, what do you have? You go first, buddy. All right. I'm going with the reverse jinx once again. 35 to 18 horns. It's going to be a sad day on Saturday. I'm going to, it's just going to be the same old shit every single year. I'm going to go to bed angry, sad, depressed, upset. It's very sports sad. I'm going to need to cuddle my child afterwards. It's going to be, it's going to be a sad day for me, but you know, it'll be fine. I'm just mentally preparing myself. I like, I like where your heads are at, you know, low scoring. I'm right there with you. I think the under is the play here. I think it's at 51 right now. Just muted myself. I don't know what I was doing. But listen, 25-24, Cats. They're up 24. We, we or where are we at? We're at 17. It's 24-17 with a minute and 30 to go. Will Howard has an immaculate drive, scores a touchdown. We go for two. I hope to God it doesn't end that way because I will be way too stressed out to watch the end of that game. That's what I got. I think, I think, and it's a, and it's a inside slant to Phillip Brooks. Will Howard throws it, you know, you know, kind of like a, Spinson, it runs an out. Will uh, Philip Brooks goes right behind him. Bang! Throw it right on top of him. Throw it right in his chest. Two-point conversion for the dub. 25-24 cats. Let's go. I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad if that happened. That would be terrifying. To, to Allison's point, that would be the most cardiac cats type of thing to ever happen. Uh, Matt, Matt's score, his prediction is 27-24 Texas. I don't have any additional commentary there and and neither does he cuz he's not here. He's moving to Dallas, Texas. But with that, what's happen? I might rush the field. I'm sitting in like, the nosebleeds on the end zone, but I might make my way down to rush the field for you. You should just Spider-Man jump straight off of there and just land with our cat's li- cat nine lives and just land on your feet right in the horns right in the horns and just horns down right there. This is how I go out. That's that's the way. <laughs> And then you need, and then you need to go to Schultz Garden after the game. Trust me. And then just bring in like a boombox, like a Dream Dowling boombox. Go into Schultz Garden, play in the Wabash, and just rub it in all of their faces. If you need any recommendations for Austin, by the way, Matt and I have you covered because we both live there. I was there for two and a half years. He was there for at least a year, year and a half. But tons of recommendations for sixth street and all that good stuff. And if you're listening and and you're also going to the game, let me know. I can, I can point you in the right direction, but before we get to our week 10 locks, we do want to do a quick Q and a with Allison, which is going to be a one, a one question Q and a that might have a very interesting answer based on some Twitter back and forth. Uh, But we had uh, listener Matthew scar, which is uh, at M T H W S K R. So I guess just remove all the vowels and a T he asked, why doesn't K-State have an official swimming team? So um, to give some 
A little bit of background. Uh, when I was at K-State, I was part of the swim club for the four years I was there. And I was uh, on the exec board for most of it um, and president for a little bit. But um, we did have a swim team. We had a swim team back uh, prior to somewhere around the 1970s. We had a men's swim team, which is why we have an auditorium um, on campus. But in the 70s, when we were losing all of our athletic budget because the football team was so bad, we weren't bringing any, in any revenue, they cut men's swimming, men's gymnastics, and wrestling. So that's why we don't have any of those teams anymore. But we did have them at one point. Um, so around 20, in middle of 2010s, I think, uh, or before 2010, uh, middle of the 2000s, K-State was looking at uh, the equestrian team because we had a women's equestrian team as well. Uh, they were kind of falling off a bit, so they were looking at ending that program. Um, but if we're going to end a women's program, we had to add another women's team to um, even out the scholarships for Title IX requirements. So they were looking at what they wanted to add. Um, Big 12 swimming, it does have women's swimming primarily, Um Currently, there are three other teams um, outside of the new schools that are coming next year. It's KU, uh, uh, Iowa State, and TCU have women swimming, um, and of course, Texas. Um, since Texas is leaving, it was just going to leave those three, but now we have a lot of those Pac-12 schools in, so we've got a lot more women's swim teams now. Um, but back in mid-2010s when the equestrian team was kind of fallen off a bit. They were looking at adding women's swimming as a Big 12 sport. But there's a lot of problems with that. It's very expensive. Um, it's very, uh, the insurance is also expensive. It's uh, the natatorium that was on campus was running at a loss. Uh, they made no money, even though they rented it out every single day of the week to swim clubs, to swimming lessons, trying to make money, could never make it profitable, never upgraded the natatorium where we had the backstroke starting blocks ripping off of the, the blocks uh, when we had meets and teams would just get out of the pool, go home angrily at us. Um, so we really didn't have a whole lot of support all through swimming. Um, they ended up going with women's soccer because the market is uh, a lot higher in the state of Kansas for soccer. Um, they weren't having to compete for swimmers in Kansas, which are already few and far between. Um, there's a lot more soccer teams in the big 12, uh, than, than swim teams are. So it, it, it just made sense. And as a swimmer, yeah, it, it makes sense that they chose soccer over swimming. Um, but in 2020, <laughs> Um, I, I was working as a swim coach at the local club team. I was also on the swim club. COVID happened. Pool shut down. We had nowhere to go. Um, and then we got news a couple weeks later that the athletics department was closing down the natatorium for good. They're planning on demolishing it. Um, actually, when I was there last weekend, I noticed they had construction fencing around the natatorium because it's three years later and they still haven't torn it down. They show like, oh, look at these pictures of, you know, here's what it's going to look like uh, with the upgrades to Ahern. It's just Ahern, but the natatorium's just not there. It, it's it's just complete demolition, yeah. fill it in with grass. That's it. Yeah, and and they're getting rid of the building that's also attached to Ahern, and it's like, I don't know what 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 is the point. I know that Ahern is a very historical building. It's got like a lot of history, especially with the basketball program, but. 
it's almost it almost just kind of begs the question of why why even keep a Hearn at that point if you're just not really going to do anything with it? Do you yeah. know if there are plans to do anything with it other than get rid of everything around it? No, so they're gonna they're gonna kind of clean it up around there and clean up around. Uh, they, they've already kind of upgraded Memorial Stadium to make it yeah. more of a multi purpose, which is which has been really good. Um, all I know is that just cleaning up around the outside and the buildings around the outside and supposedly they're refurbishing the inside a little bit, but I honestly, I don't know how much money they're going to have left to do that. They still have a couple classes in Ahern. They're mostly kinesiology classes. Uh, my roommate in college was kinesiology major and said that was the, the worst building that class, especially at the NAT there. It was always yeah. super humid, never kept up the facilities. So I hope they can do something cool with it. I, I wouldn't complain if they actually, you know, built it up to code and we had like a throwback basketball game or volleyball games in there every once yeah. in a while. But, Which speaking, yeah. speaking of Texas, that's one thing that they did last year is they had like a throwback basketball game in Gregory gym, which is their version of a Hearn essentially, or, or Nichols gym, even uh, if that was still something that you could play basketball games in, but uh, it's, they sold the thing out and and they had like select seating and stuff for student tickets. And, and it looked really cool when they did it in there, but that's where their volleyball team plays now their women's volleyball team, but very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you for educating us on the history of, of swimming at K-State because I knew none of that. That was, that was fascinating history. Um, we still have a swim club. They drive yeah. to either Wamigo or Fort Riley to practice. And honestly, for a college kid, I'm, I'm very surprised they, they still have it going. Cause I don't know that I would be doing that. So shout sure. out and to it, the, the swim club there. For sure. And as, and as a Pisces, I mean, and I'm the best swimmer I know, you know, <laughs> You know, I, I have a special place in my heart for all the swimmers. Shout out to all the swimmers out there. Shout out indeed. Well, we're going to move over to our week 10 locks, which are, if, you know, we had a sponsor. They'd be presented by somebody, but our week 10 locks are not presented by anybody because we don't have a sponsor. But each week we share our locks for three Big 12 matchups, one national game of the week and one sickos game of the week definition tbd and beauty is in the eye of the beholder i suppose but if we look at if we look at the season standings fireball matt is still in first with a very slim lead of 22 21 and 2 overall chef has scratched and clawed his way in second place with a 21 22 and 2 record overall so you're one game behind matt and I am in last place with a 21 and 24 record overall because I don't have pushes because you, you lousy sons of bitches have pushes that are, that are floating your, your record there. And I guess actually, yeah, 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 you're, yeah. These standings feel like the big 12 standings right now, though. It's just, it's just a clusterfuck at the top and that's it because there's only three of us. But Chef, you you won the week last week. I'll let you say a, you know a couple words if you'd like before you make your picks since you won last week. I'm the greatest. It's it's the prime time right now. You know I I haven't taken the glasses off since I found out that I won. So we're just gonna keep the momentum going. And uh, Allison, you have no chance against me. Bob, you <laughs> definitely don't. So let's get these picks going. I'm going five and zero this week. Oh my god. No one could do that like me. I'm the only one. Do I want to? Do I get to go first? You've never gone five and zero. Oh. Well, to, today is that day. 
We'll go Chef, then we'll go Allison, then I'll go, and then and then Matt will go last because he's not here. Okay, so we're gonna start Thursday. That's crazy. TCU is dogs. That's tonight. If you're listening to this, the day it drops. Yeah. Shout out to Thursdays. Uh, TCU plus three. Tech is a dumpster fire, and if they're starting strong, there's no way in hell that they win this game. They they won't win another game if they start strong again. So I'm I'm betting all my money on that strongest starting, and I'm taking TCU plus the points. And my next pick, you know, I'm gonna ride with them. They've you know they shot me in the foot so many times. I'm going to ride with those Sooners in Bedlam. The last one, minus six and a half in Stillwater is a spicy pick. But I think they have to officially, they have to eventually figure it out, right? They can't just keep losing and, you know, playing these tight games versus inferior opponents. So I'm, I'm going to take the Sooners minus six and a half in the last Bedlam, possibly ever. And then UCF, are they the are they the best 0-6 Big 12 team out there? They're better than Cincinnati, right? Better than Cincinnati. <laughs> are they the only other one? Yeah. So I'm going to take UCF minus four and a half. I think that's just – I think that's obvious, right? In Cincinnati, Nippert Stadium is kind of like – it's created a lot of unders, but I got a feeling that Cincinnati's checked out. They're they're checked out. You know, UCF's still fighting for a bowl. I'm, I'm well, I guess Cincinnati is too, but doesn't matter. They're they've they've checked out a long time ago. UCF minus the points, minus four and a half. That's easy. They got a touchdown on them. National game. You might argue with me on this one, but I don't care. Rutgers is six and two, dog. Rutgers is six and two, and they've played absolutely nobody. Zero. They've played nobody. They got the worst. So I hope we play them in a bowl game and we beat them by 100. But you know who else is going to beat them by 100? Ohio State. Minus 18 and a half. Easy money, dude. I don't care if it's on the road. Piscataway, nothing. They could play this. Nobody's going to argue against you in defense of Rutgers here. <laughs> It's Rutgers. They could they could play this game in Hoboken. I don't give a damn. Give me Ohio State minus the 18 and a half. Let's go, Bucks. OH. Somebody can finish it later. Uh, my sicko game. Two one and seven Mac teams. This is if you wanted a definition of a sicko game, I'm gonna this give it bro. to you. I'm this gonna give bro. it to you, Bob. Akron versus, you know. People talked about Kent State. UCF beat them by 100. Almost legit 100. Akron, minus three and a half. I don't know where they play this game at. Like, I don't know what the name of their stadium is, but I'm sure there's going to be seven people there because, you know, the streets of Akron don't go out at night. So give me Akron, minus three and a half. They'll beat them by 14, 15 easily. Akron, go zips. Zip them up. That that might have been the best rundown for locks ever. That was that was fantastic. Oh my god. Yeah, no one's gonna defend Rutgers for you. None of us have Rutgers. They, they're six and two. The people are talking. Who? <laughs> you know, those people in 
what's another what's another uh New Jersey town? Trenton. People in Trenton are talking. Newark. <laughs> Newark, Hoboken. They're gonna all play, those. They're gonna play this game on AJ Soprano's home field. Yeah, they they're gonna be pulling out a fucking sleeve of gabagool. <laughs> gabagool. And with that, Allison, let's hit us with your locks. Oh man, I don't I don't know how I'm gonna follow that, but I'm going to follow with a disagreement off the top here because I chose Texas Tech over TCU. Um, because it's in Lubbock. I, if it was in Fort Worth, I might say the other way around, not particularly because I think Fort Worth has a home field advantage, but I think they, they do get a little, um, extra push from being in Lubbock. So I think it's still going to be a pretty close game. Um, I, I hope that tech can pull it out just so that they have that, that desert bragging rights for the future, but Texas fans are get, or Texas Tech fans are going to get spicy for this one because this is the oh, first yeah. game they played at home against TCU since the whole Cactus Gate thing happened. I I hope for their sake they can they can win on a Thursday night. Um, I have a couple friends that are going to be there on the TCU side, so we'll see how uh, how their moods are driving home. Um, and then our, my second Big Twelve game is KU Iowa State. I have KU winning out against Iowa State. Uh, the line that I saw was just uh, one point. So um, I don't know. I think that one was also going to be pretty close, but I think KU is going to win by three or seven somewhere around a one-score game there. Uh, my third one, <laughs> I also have Oklahoma State and OU. I don't know how this is going to go. Part of me thinks that Oklahoma is going to be pissed off from this past week and completely blow out Oklahoma State. But because I am an Oklahoma State optimist, I picked Oklahoma State to cover, um, hopefully win, but at least cover the 6.5 points. Um, we'll see if I regret that. But, you know, Oklahoma had a lot of really bad losses last year, and they never really rebounded. I know it's a different year, but we'll see if this uh, loss to KU either completely tanks their team or makes them mad enough to just win out the rest of their schedule. Uh, my national game, uh, I didn't see this one coming, but there is a Notre Dame-Clemson game where Notre Dame is favored by three. I have Notre Dame covering three uh, with the win. And it's in uh, Death Valley at Duke one there. I think Notre Dame can probably win there. So we'll see how that one goes. Uh, my sicko game, one of my friends pointed this out to me. Troy is playing Air Force this weekend. Air Force is also favored by 18 and a half points. That seems like way too many points for me. It, it might be enough points for Ohio State and Rutgers, but... I don't think Troy gets completely blown out by Air Force. We'll see um, if they can kind of stick it out. But I, I don't think they're going to go, you know, 18. I, it'll probably be more like a 10-15 score game. Not not quite 18. Air Force is the truth, man. That's the that, – that team don't play around, boy. They But they, they've been struggling lately. They had a tight one with Colorado State last week. It was ugly, but – I thought Air Force played Army this weekend. No way. Do they? Troy Troy plays yeah, South Alabama right. on Thursday. That Dang line. It. Your friend your friend might have been in the wrong there. <gasps> no, I know what happened. He's a Air Force guy. And so I just assumed when he said Troy. <laughs> he said, 
Because I'm asking, listen, I don't bet. So I don't have any of these apps downloaded either. So I was texting my friends, like, give me the lines for this. <laughs> Air Force Army is, it is like a massive spread in favor of Air Force because Air Force is currently ranked 17th and Army is like two and six. Army's bad, but that's that's the difference is they're playing Army. So if Air Force has the opportunity to blow out Army, they will score yes. out by 50 points. Yes, so, Service Academy. Yes. So, but you've got, so are we saying you're going to take army plus 18 and a half versus air force? Or are you taking air force now that we know we're not playing Troy? (laughs) Let's just take air force then. And we'll just say they have a lot of built up anger. Um, But I don't think, I mean, army has been bad for so long. (laughs) Air force isn't going to hold anything back. Air force Force. versus anybody, air force versus anybody. Let's just do that. Honestly. Yeah. Air force minus 18 and a half. It is. For Bob's locks this week. So I, I have real money on this because I feel incredibly confident with this this parlay. This is the first time all season I've actually felt confident in my picks to the degree that I'm going to put real money on it. I'm going to go with Houston plus three and a half at Baylor. Hear me out. Conference visitor coming off of a shutout hits 58% of the time since 2006, and they are 3-0 and this season. In the last case that this happened, was I think it was UMass actually, but there it was against an independent. So technically, if you're counting that as their conference, um, there have been a couple other situations where that happened. I think Charlotte it happened prior to that. So three and and0 this season, that is that is like a lock to end all locks if, if we're just being honest about it. So Houston plus three and a half. I'm also going with Oklahoma State plus six and a half versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma State's four and one against the spread at home this season. So I feel good about the Pokes going into the final Bedlam matchup. This could be a situation where OU's gonna bounce back and they could still get the win. But this is this is like, I mean, this is like if we were playing KU in basketball for the last time ever. They have our number in basketball when you look at the all-time record. But you know that every single year we bring the heat for that matchup. And every single year under Mike Gundy, this has been a relatively close matchup and they bring the heat every single time. So I like Oklahoma State to cover the six and a half points. I found six and a half points. I've seen a couple like five and a half, four and a half. I'm taking I'm taking the poke six and a half. I got that on FanDuel earlier today. I'm also taking Iowa State minus two and a half. So I was I was surprised with Allison's too that she got what was it? Minus one KU. I'm, I'm taking minus two and a half Iowa state, but if I got minus one, like I would, I would absolutely be taking Iowa state there. Uh, Iowa state's five and three against the spread overall this season, but they're three and one at home. So they look good playing in Ames at Jack Trice. KU is going to be riding high. And I think this could be a spot where Iowa state can, can catch them tripping. So national game of the week. So I saw a couple of like 15 and a halfs and 16 and a halfs. I feel confident in the Missouri Tigers at Georgia who covered the spread last year against Georgia. And I think the year prior, I don't know. Missouri Georgia is a weird matchup every year. I went with an alternate spread of 14 and a half because I'm that confident that the Missouri Tigers are going to cover the points. And I got a better payout with plus 100 odds instead of the minus 105 that it was sitting at at 15 and a half points earlier today. And then my final, my sickos game, which Fresno State, Boise State, I don't know, Mountain West football kicks at like 8 Eastern 
or 10 Eastern, something like that. I'm taking Fresno State minus three. Boise State, yeah, they, they, they proved me wrong last week. They won on the Smurf turf against a really good Wyoming team, and they beat them like 30 to seven. But I, I like the Bulldogs this year. The Bulldogs are looking good for Fresno State. Throw up that victory sign. Go Bulldogs. Fresno State all day, every day. And I'm going to just quickly run through Matt's locks. So he, similar, very dissimilar to me, actually, has Baylor minus four and a half versus the University of Houston. I just, I, I've i got the stats to back up my pick. So I'm going with the Cougs. Go Cougs. Iowa State, he has minus two and a half versus KU, which is what I also had uh, in that matchup. And then Oklahoma State, he had plus five and a half, as opposed to the six and a half I found earlier, versus Oklahoma in Bedlam. For his national game of the week, he has the Fightin' Lane Kiffins of Ole Miss and the Jackson Darts plus or minus four against the Aggies, the Fightin' Texas Ags. Whoop, whoop, whatever the the fuck they do over there, and the you know they're doing the weird like leg raise thing and the midnight yell, and it's the most cringe shit I've ever seen. But he's got Ole Miss minus four, the Rebs, the Land Sharks. Against the fight in Texas Ags. And then his sicko game, he has the battle of the tech teams in the ACC. He's got Georgia Tech plus two and a half. A former Texas Ag playing quarterback for the Georgia Tech Hornets, Yellow Jackets, whatever they are, at Virginia Tech. So they're going to be doing enter Sandman at Virginia Tech for this one. That is a bad bad Virginia Tech team. (laughs) This is a decent Georgia Tech team. I don't know. There's just a bad game what all the way around. Seems like that seems like the wrong side. You would think. You would think. Why is that a plus but, and a half? But Did Matt you watch Nick- Virginia Tech last week, though. No, no, I, mean, I, I haven't watched any ACC football outside of Duke. Completely blew out Syracuse, I believe it was, and it was it was not even close. Virginia Tech did. Yes. Who did Georgia Tech play recently? Georgia mm. Tech won against somebody recently that. Oh, Miami. They, they beat yeah, Miami. They, they, they had the Iowa State 2015 Paul Rhodes thing happen to them. Yep. Yeah. Um, shit, what was this? That yeah, was three they, weeks they walked ago. to Boston College. That's icky. Uh, and they, dude. I love Boston <laughs> College. They beat North Carolina last weekend by four. How is Georgia Tech plus two and a half? This is stupid. Hold on. Virginia beat North sure. Carolina. Not Virginia Wait, am I looking at last season? Virginia beat North Carolina. This Saturday, October 28th. I don't know what you're looking what at. Sport? North Carolina. <laughs> Podcasting gold right here. Give me a break. No. <laughs> no. The ACC is absolutely no, chaos dude, this year. Dude, Georgia I'll... Tech beat North Carolina on Saturday, 46 to 42. Georgia Tech did? Yes. Virginia also. Why are you me? looking at me like I'm an idiot, Chef? I thought because I thought you that can't even see my eyes in these stunner shades. Two weeks ago that Virginia beat North Carolina. North Carolina's got two losses now. Yes. Yes. Oh yuck! They went they from were, like top ten to they were seventeen to I don't yeah, know what they're ranked now. If anything, they were talking about Drake May could win a national championship. They're, they're, they're unranked now. K State took their spot in the top twenty-five. Let's go. Let's go. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. Well, I mean, that does it. We're at an hour and 11 minutes. We, we, Allison, if you lose, you're coming back with a bag. Just to let you know. 
I think, I back think with- <laughs> if, if we if we want to get into it, we can talk about Naquan Tomlin being suspended indefinitely from the basketball team. But I know we're also at an hour and, and 11 minutes, and I want Ain't to be respectful of Allison's time, too. Ain't nobody listening to this. It don't matter. If you want to talk for five minutes, let's – well, or a couple of minutes. I don't – I think Tomlin's a goof. That's just goofball situation, you know, tubbies at 2 o'clock in the morning. Especially what Tomlin. do you – what are you doing? And, you know, he's already in, you know, you, you've you long suspected that, you know, he, he wasn't with the team. You know, you were, you were scouring the Internet to find any kind of life of Tomlin on this team. And for him to, you know, pull this, get indefinitely suspended, which the vocab of Tang's statement sounds like he's gone. I don't like that. And. For the long term of the team without Tomlin, it does change my, you know, my thought and trajectory of where this team could go. So I don't, I guess I, I haven't really looked super deep into basketball yet this year. So I haven't seen, you know, read into his absence in some of the like the team media or anything. Mm-hmm. I actually, I, I when I saw Tang's statement today, um, from more of an oblivious side of things, I just assumed he's going to be out for a couple games until he basically gets his shit together um, and then rejoins the team. I don't think Tang is the type of guy that's going to put up with something like this that ends up in an actual arrest and let him just join back with the team like like nothing happened. Um, some other coaches would do that, but Tang has kind of proved he's not messing around and you're here for the team and and that's it. So um, I don't know. I yeah. hope he comes back. I hope he kind of fixes the shit and can can get back on with these guys. Yeah, I I think I agree with Chef in that it, it kind of changes how the season could go because you've got this matchup against a top 25 USC team. And if he's suspended indefinitely, I would assume that's at least a game or two. Because indefinitely, by definition, means we don't have an end date on this. He could be suspended for the exhibition and then be back against USC. I wouldn't say that's going to happen because it's probably not. But he could also be suspended for 20 games and not return until conference play. Indefinitely is exactly what it sounds like. We don't know when he's going to return. Allison, you you said it best. It's It sounded like it's kind of on him to set what that date is and he has to get his shit together in order for that to happen. But I'm not looking forward to a matchup against USC with Isaiah Collier and Bronny James in Vegas without Naquan Tomlin, because wasn't, wasn't it Tang that said it in big 12 media days in games where we didn't have 30 plus minutes from Naquan Tomlin, we lost every single one of them. I I just, yeah. And if you look at that, and if you look at the, Secret scrimmage without Tomlin, we got out rebounded like forty four to twenty seven. You know, it's by Tim Jankovic and SMU. It's, I mean, they might be pretty salty this year. Who, who knows? But you know, the go Cats, Tim Jankovic. Bas- basketball season has it's definitely taken. Uh, it's definitely dampened what I think the team could be because you know. Oh wait, Tim got fired. We were definitely relying on Tomlin this year. We we absolutely were relying on him and you know who's going to fill his fill the shoes 
who's who's a guy on our team that has Naquan Naquan ability? I don't think there's anybody. Kaluma, maybe, but you know, who's gonna fill his shoes? It, it, we were we had all our chips and we put all our chips on Naquan Tomlin. We gave him a chance and he didn't screw the team. He screwed himself, really. But I mean, it's totally. Realistically, I'm not going to judge him off of, you know, a little fist fight. Who hasn't been in a little fist fight at a bar? But it's you got to you got to be smarter. I mean, who's who in Manhattan, Kansas is fighting Naquan Tomlin? Why? You know who he is. He's seven foot tall. Why are you fighting him? You're a fan of him. Stop it. Also, I misspoke. Tim Van- Tim Jankovic got fired after last season. So Bob or Rob Rob Lanier is the head coach at SMU now. He was the head coach at Georgia State and Siena prior to that. But I just assumed it was Tim still because I don't pay attention to the American Athletic Conference in basketball because why would you? Siena's a good basketball program. I like oh, yeah, Siena. for sure. I don't know if Georgia State is. But, yeah, I, I mean – when I saw it on Sunday, I was driving back to Manhattan or driving back to Denver from Manhattan. And my good friend, Alex, who we stayed with this weekend, he, he sent me the text and said, Naquan was, was suspended or, or suspended from the team. And he, he, that may not have even happened yet, but he was arrested last night at Tubby's, which Cooper Beebe's also out in Aggieville wearing the Nacho Libre outfit. So why, why don't we just have Naquan hanging out at O'Malley's with, with Cooper Beebe instead. But I was also thinking like, who hasn't, who hasn't that happened to in Aggieville where like you get in a fist fight or you get into some kind of just stupid misunderstanding with someone, things are, things go the wrong way and you end up, you know, in the police lineup for, for that night or whatever. But it's just, it's frustrating. I would love to know the details of what happened, but I don't know. I feel like I've been to tubbies on nights where they're serving like really good burgers and it's like a solid establishment on a weeknight, and then the weekend hits, and it's like people are dancing on tables, and it's real kind of gross. If we weren't an hour 17 into this podcast, <laughs> I, I guarantee you nobody's listening. But if we were at, if we weren't an hour and 18 minutes into this podcast, I would try to think of all the scenarios on how it how it went down. Because I, will, <laughs> I, will say, I know of a guy, I know of a guy that was dancing on a toilet in Tubby's. The, the toilet fell down, the whole the whole bowl, everything fell down. He ran out of there, left the bar, didn't get found out, found out for it at all. But this happened like eight years ago. And part of me is thinking like that guy probably got in more trouble, actual trouble, and he didn't even get caught than what Naquan might have even possibly done. But I also don't know the details of what happened. And so part of me is, I don't know, part of me is just thinking it was probably a misunderstanding Maybe he danced on a toilet and, and knocked it over because he's like seven foot tall. I don't maybe know. Maybe Naquan, maybe Naquan, you know, just snuck like a 58-year-old man, like drunk at the bar on homecoming weekend. You know, this like rando that graduated in 84. You know, he's <laughs> shout out to the class of 84. My mom was in the class of 84. <laughs> shout out to the class of 84. Man, we've all had our worst nights at Tubby's. So yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it works out. I hope he comes back soon. Me too. Um, with a with a better attitude. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Well, I think that does it for us for for this week's predictions and locks episode. Uh Allison, appreciate you coming on.
before we sign off, anything you want to plug, anything you want to chat about, you've got the final word tonight. Uh, no, I don't really have a whole lot. Um, my Twitter is at Allison underscore Renner. Um, that's really the only social media that uh, I have public. So you can follow me on there for K-State nonsense and occasionally Chiefs. One of, one of the best K-State Twitter follows. I will vouch for that. For all of us at Cocaine Willie, thank you for listening to the show on your podcast feeds or watching us on YouTube. Do us a favor. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, leave us a five-star rating and follow the show. And if you're watching on YouTube, give us a like on the video and subscribe to the channel. If you don't like K-State content, listen to our weekly locks. If you don't like our weekly locks, listen to the K-State content. We've got plenty to, plenty to go around. And uh, we would love the subscription regardless because it helps us and you are helping us. So we would appreciate that, even if you're not a K-State fan. You can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram or follow us individually. I am at Bob Trollsby. Allison is at Allison underscore Renner. Fireball Matt is at Mar Matt Marchesini. And hopefully we'll have him back next week because he's missed two pods this season. But it was great to have you, Allison. And then Chef is at Chef Andre Napier. Chef. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. We are all coke and no joke. Wildcat country. Let's ride. Ah. <laughs>